Frankie, come. Come on. Frankie, come. Good boy. Good boy. Sit. Good boy. Down. Down. Good boy. And stay. Stay. Good boy. How about you? Can you sit down and stay for the next half hour? This is Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. Hello there. I'm Devon from Canada welcoming you to the May 2019 edition of Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. In a few minutes, we're going to listen to part two of a panel discussion about how guide, hearing, and service dogs of all types uh, can uh, be recognized equally and how we should all work together to make that happen. To begin with, though, let's hear from Veronica Elsie from her uh, CD called Guide Dogs First Hand, and the song is How Did You Know? How did they know we would hit it off right away? I didn't know I could fall in love in just a day. Oh, I felt a tug on the harness when I gave the commands. I knew once we got started, there was no way to turn back. I didn't know I could fall in love so fast. shop with the entrance that nobody ever could describe I don't say what I want now I just think the commands there's no break in this bond now we're a team that will last I didn't know we could get so far so fast Never had it any better than this. 
but I guess you know that, don't you? Dixieland Guide Dog Users coordinate uh, an event called Top Dogs. This past January, a lot of emphasis was placed on how people with various types of assistance dogs can and should work together to increase the credibility of the assistance dog field. We heard from Tony Eames, the president of IAADP, the International Association of Assistance Dog Partners, and now we're going to hear from two others who took part in a panel discussion called Thanks Pups. Hi, my name is Ed Crane, and I'm happy to, very proud to uh, attend this event. Uh, I happen to be an individual who's 62 years old, and at age 30, I experienced my first grand mal seizure. And in a short period of time, seizures took control of my life, and I became epileptic. And uh, over the years, I was still able to function and do things, but I went from having just one or two seizures a week to a point now where I can have 10 or 20 a day, depending on the day. And I, I was able to work. I worked in the World Trade Center in New York for uh, 24 years. And uh, finally, I was falling and injuring. And of course, on the way down, there was always a desk or a table or a chair or something that cut the head or broke a bone, had so many broken bones. But luckily, I had at least partial surgery on my left temporal lobe. And the goal of that was just to bring down the frequency, and that helped me. But I was introduced to the concept of a service dog shortly after that. And my partner here today is my third dog in the past 17 years. His name is Zern. And the beauty of what these dogs are able to do is for epilepsy, and I'm shaking folks, but that's, that's part of who I am and what I do. Um, he is trained in a very simple way. I provide the organization 
an undershirt that I was wearing when I had a seizure. And for six months, they trained Zern and my previous two dogs to be able to pick out that scent with 100% accuracy. And then from that point on, I get, a, I get a warning from my partner about 30 minutes before I experience a seizure. And what he has been trained to do is, Zern has been trained that whenever that scent comes up, he'll come over and rub his hand on my knees. And he's expecting me to lay on the floor or wherever I am outside. So if I don't lay down quick enough, he'll then start to bump me, saying, hey, Ed, I gave you the warning, I want you to lay down. And once I lay down, he will take his front legs and put them over my feet down there, and he'll stay there until the seizure is over. Now, when I start to come out of a seizure, of course, I think it's over myself, but it isn't. He will get off automatically when he can tell me it's over. And then he'll come over and give me a little lick on the side of the face, and that's, that's my my service, uh, and he is able then to tell me it's time, time to get up and get into a chair. I also have balance issues, and I've had a number of people come up to me. He's wearing a specially fitted harness on his back that rises up to my arm and hand length. It's fitted to me, and I am always attached to him, except like right now I'm leaning leaning up here, but that prevents me from falling and injuring myself. And I can tell you in 17 years with three dogs, the only time I had injuries was in between partnerships when I didn't have a dog along the way. So what these dogs are able to do, and the concept that works for him works the same way with diabetes. Dogs are trained to a scent that the body emits even before we as the individual begin to feel it or experience it. And the difference that makes provides us independence again, independence. And let me just step a little bit away from that. I've been partnered for so long, five years ago, one thing I found was there's tremendous amount of information out there on the internet and the world around us with respect to all the topics that come up with these amazing dogs, whether it's information about dog food or recalls or veterinary care, um, information about uh, legal issues in any state or region, or if you are all of a sudden faced with discrimination, how to move forward. Uh, I formed a nonprofit company five years ago called My Assistance Dog Incorporated. And we are nothing more than a, a resource of information. And to give you an idea, one of the things I put together a while ago is a plastic card that looks like a credit card. And on here is nothing more than the Department of Justice law regarding service dogs, okay? So that if I go in and I'm somebody who uh, everybody thinks is training a dog, so and I'm in the state of California, which is, enforces the laws very well, but uh, in many states it's good to have this in case you run into a situation where you're denied access or there is a problem. Here are the details of, of that law. 
And just about two weeks ago before I came out, I happened to go to a location to uh, um, see a live show. And on entry, I was refused entry. And, of course, I had the individual get management out. And I had to educate management along the way. But I provided this card. And I also was not afraid to file a complaint uh, online. I have as a resource on my website, one of the resources, um, ways to very quickly file a complaint. Um, I did it on a national basis, and in the state of California, I filed it with the state, and the state will follow up on that within three or four weeks, and I have a funny feeling he'll be fined $250 to $2,500, and that will teach, teach a lesson. In California, it's very, very good. This tremendous support for not only the disabled community, but assistance store community, but many states. There isn't. I have these cards, and I'd be happy to give anyone one of these cards. It, it feels like a credit card. It's plastic, but it's exactly laid out off the federal website. So, uh, um, And I have other information here. I'm not going to take up a lot of time, but we, we on our website put up information uh, and stories. Here's here's a story about seizure alert dogs, seizure response dogs. Um, is is a is an assistance dog right for you? Um, here's one I happened to long time ago got involved with uh, the tax deduction of my dog. So we've printed information on on the website about the federal deduction and how the process works. What's involved? Will you? qualify. We put a website and an information site together that's a resource, anything from veterinary care to how to file a complaint to just information about the dogs. And uh, we now have a following around the world of a few hundred thousand people. And um, my assistant's dog incorporated. That's it. It all comes down to the name of the organization. And uh, matter of fact, just from last night to this morning, uh, I had 400 emails. So, uh, you know, that's my assistance dog incorporated, uh, dot com. Or if you just put my assistance dog incorporated on there, it'll, it'll show a couple of dozen times because of the number of postings we have. So I appreciate coming out here and, and, and any way I can be helpful or I'm just proud to be able to share the story of the dog that, and the three dogs that have helped me in my life, service dogs. So thank you very much. I'll give it to you in a second. Okay. And, of course, this is Tony again. I'm no fool. He's on the IADP board now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be doing questions at the end. Ready? So, hi, I'm Veronica Morris, and this is my service dog, Hestia. Uh, she is a small, eight-pound uh, Japanese chin. What that means is she's a black-and-white dog. She's mostly white. She has black ears and black fur over one of her eyes. And she's got big, googly eyes and a really smushed nose so that her head is pretty much the shape of a racquetball. If you would, if you would like to... To feel her, uh, then seek me out after this presentation. I'm happy to let you experience what it's like having a dog that looks this funny or cute. <laughs> My dad calls her ugly. But <laughs> so I, I started out um, getting a dog 
in a slightly different way. Um, I was, I have bipolar disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, and agoraphobia, which basically means uh, I have a very difficult time leaving my house. Uh, and I have mood swings up to like highs where I think I can fly and things like that, down to lows where I try to kill myself. And I have a lot of uh, anxiety related to those situations that uh, I had for post-traumatic stress disorder. So my therapist, when I was living in Chapel Hill doing my uh, master's, um, she said to me, you need to do a volunteer job. And I said, well, I'll volunteer at the dog shelter. I'll walk the dogs. And I didn't want a dog of my own. I just wanted to, you know, hang around dogs. And this one dog uh, was just very special. All the other dogs, you would take them out. And they would chase squirrels and bark and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, this dog, Sabrina, she was a Weinweiner Pitbull mix. And she would come out and just sit on my feet and look up at me and just want loving. And um, it came time for her to be put down, and I couldn't, I couldn't handle that. So without really meaning to have a dog, I adopted a dog. She was naturally alerting to my mood swings and panic attacks, uh, and I reinforced that training to make it so that she, she did it reliably. Uh, and I first, I didn't even know that was something that a service dog could do. I just thought it was a neat trick that my pet could do. Until several years later, I was at Berkeley getting my PhD, and uh, I experienced very difficult times with my medications and my my therapist and psychiatrist recommended that I train my dog as a psychiatric service dog so I did um, and I'm on my third dog now and I will tell you the the way I've trained them to alert me to my anxiety attacks and mood swings well actually just anxiety attacks now because I have the mood swings covered with medication um, is every time I get anxious, I call them over and give them lots of really, really good treats. So they start associating me being anxious with, like, lots of fun and great stuff. Sometimes I use a, a special toy that I keep just for this occasion. Um, and so I would call them over, and they would say, oh, mom's anxious. That's great. On their own, they would start coming over when I got anxious, and I would reward heavily. Uh, and then I would work with the dog to find a behavior that they liked to use to alert me to my anxiety levels. Um, because I found just the simple process of calling them over and giving them a treat when I was anxious was enough for them to start picking up on something. We don't know what it is. It could be a smell. It could be my heart rate. It could be my breath. Um, so the, the dog would come over and offer a behavior. And so my first service dog, her offered behavior was sitting in front of me and looking at me, which was fine. My second service dog, a silver standard poodle named Ollivander, uh, he, yeah, he was gorgeous. Um, he started alerting me by barking, which was really not cool and made me very embarrassed and have panic attacks even more. So I had to train him. I had to train him out of the barking and the key, the cue that he used was nudging my hand with his nose. With my current dog, Hestia, the behavior she offered was licking my arm and, uh, and that works fine for me. Unfortunately, she's only able to alert when she's close to my face. So uh, 
that is a little bit of a tro- problem, but she does medical response from across the room. If I start actually going into a panic attack and she hasn't noticed to alert me, she runs over immediately as soon as one starts, jumps into my lap, and starts the deep pressure therapy and grounding behaviors that I've trained her to do when I am needing them. Um, and I wanted to share that there are all kinds of interesting things that psychiatric service dogs can do. The one that I find most amazing is hallucination discernment. I have a friend who has schizophrenia, and um, she hallucinates people in, that are in rooms, and usually she hallucinates people that have knives or scary things happening with them, threatening people. Um, so she trained her dog. When her dog walks in the room, her dog looks at each person in the room one by one, just indicating with their head, there's a person, there's a person, there's a person. Um, And then that way she knows, okay, the guy that I see in the corner with a knife is just a hallucination. It's not not a real person over there threatening me. And she's used this for years now. She's on her second service dog. And it's just amazing to watch the dog allow her to the independence and freedom to travel and explore and make friends and go out in public without having to worry about her hallucinations. So I just want to uh, conclude with one more thing, a little quick story about how we're all in this together. I used to live in Berkeley, California. And when I lived in Berkeley, I was not using Hestia. I was using my first two dogs, the Weimariner Pitbull Mix and the Standard Poodle. And there were a lot of other dogs. I saw a service dog, excluding my friends that had service dogs. I saw a service dog about every day that I went into campus. Um, And so I noticed that a lot of the dogs were trying to attack my dogs. Um, And so I kept a kind of like count in my head about who was doing the attacking and what the situations were and what gear the dogs were carrying, wearing, that is. And I found that it was equal. There were just the same number of guide dogs attacking my service dog as there were owner-trained dogs, seizure dogs, psychiatric service dogs. It was all the same. So we don't, we don't really have any reason to be treating each other differently. It, we all experience the same things. We hate it when people uh, are, are fakers as well. It really, it's just horrible for us because at least we don't look disabled at all. And so we go into a store and they say, oh, the last service dog that was in here pooped on the floor. <laughs> so you can't come in here. And, um, and, and that really is, if you can imagine how hard that would be when you have an anxiety disorder and talking with people makes you anxious, it's very difficult. There was another panelist in that discussion, and his name was Brad Morris. He talked uh, a great deal about the Americans with Disabilities Act and other pieces of United States legislation. As he was closing, though, he did mention that they had made or had arranged to have made what he called solidarity scarves. Uh, They're green, and they indicate that they're part of the assistance dog field and uh, that that they're trying to uh, work together. Hopefully, we'll be able to have a chat with him about that on a future edition of Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. 
Before we close, I did want to make mention of a fundraiser that's going to be happening all across Canada. For the most part, on May 26th, there are communities that will have walks on other days, but most of the walks um, will be on May 26th. And uh, this is to raise funds for the Lions Foundation Dog Guide Training Center in Oakville, Ontario. They um, train uh, all types of assistance dogs, uh, as well as uh, a new variety or a new kind now called Justice Facility Dogs. Uh, Lions Clubs and other people across the country are going to be trying to raise funds for that facility. So if you want to check that out, you could go to dogguides.ca and have a look at their website and all the programs that they have. So that just about brings us to the end of another edition of uh, Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. I do hope that if you have any information about anything happening in the uh, world of guide hearing and service dogs, that you will let me know. You can reach me by sending an email to the harness, just like what a guide dog wears, the harness at bell, B-E-L-L, bell.net. So that's the harness at bell.net. So until June, uh, let me see what the date is, uh, um, the 19th, I believe it is, the third Friday of uh, June. Until then, have yourself a wonderful month, and uh, we'll close with a song by Cat Stevens called I Love My Dog. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now. As much as I love for you For you may think My dog will always come through All he asks from me is the food To give him strength All he ever needs is love And that he knows he'll get So I love my dog As much as I love for you For you may think My dog will always come through all the pay I need comes a shining through his eyes I don't need no cold water to make me realize That I love my dog as much as I love for you For you make a fade, my dog will always come through
much as I love you But you make things My dark will always come through This is Sean Klein, regular host of Everything But The Kitchen Sink, here on The Global Voice, and on the fourth Friday of every month, I'll be bringing you Odds and Sods, a half-hour monthly show featuring interesting things and curiosities I've found on the internet, touching on a variety of subjects, from humanity's first recordings of its own voice in the 1850s, the federal government bouncing shortwave signals off the moon, an old World War II era film about the use of radio during the war, auditory illusions, alternate musical scales, what noise does an ostrich make, a dinosaur? We'll be exploring these and much more on Odds and Sods. 1730 UTC, every fourth Friday of the month, here on the Global Voice. Check the program schedule for repeats.